Hey, Soraya? Who am I talking to? Just me and my friend, Marty Van B. Marty Van B. And he says, to the three o'clock, styling to your rocking tunes. <laughs> I mean, this, it's definitely Baroque, isn't it? Yeah, keep it up. Keep Mar it up. Marty Van B. <laughs> Good old Marty Van B. So two things, why are you holding that up? Well, first of all, because this has to do with our album focus for today. And those of you who have this, which on one side shows the great Marty Van B, but on the other has lyrics. Ooh. From the three o'clock, 16 tambourines 16 album. tambourines, yes. We've done album focuses on the three o'clock, including the EP, uh, Ride Without Traveling, but not this classic album, 16 Tambourines. So it's definitely time. Second thing I wanted to mention is love the wardrobe. You know, Jeff, I was just going to say, your shirt is pretty beautiful. <laughs> yeah, Jeff so and I today coordinated because if you haven't figured it out, Jeff and I are actually fraternal twins. <laughs> separated <laughs> by a couple of years. But we're yeah, one of us has a little bit more gray. Just a smidge. <laughs> There's a snitch. Yeah, so uh, unplanned, I will say, on the shirts. Uh, and it makes sense that we're wearing three o'clock shirts. And usually I wear my green shirt, but. <laughs> and I and I took a guess. I said, mm, Jeff's going to wear his green one. I'm going to wear my red one. And then we both log on and voila. Here we are. Here we we're are. Coordinated. Super duper coordinated. All right, Jeff. So today, as everyone has now figured out, we're going to be talking and focusing on the three o'clock 16 tambourines. I say, let's just jump into it. Let's do it. Hi, this is Soraya. And this is Jeff. Our podcast is called Paisley Stage Raspberry and Rhyme. A podcast where the two of us play music that we like and share anecdotes and background about the tunes. We hope you'll join our conversation. And without further ado, agroviar. Let's get groovy. 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 All right. All right, Jeff. And Whoa, look at that stack. Jeff, since you're the completest. Wow. Right? Okay, so we've got, I, I've got a few. I'm not a completist about many bands, but I'm almost a completist here. Wow. Look I've that. got two pressings of Baroque, Frontier and Lolita. I've got Arrive Without Traveling. I even have Ever After in Vermilion. <laughs> And <laughs> my original Rainy Day bought at Aaron's Records back in the wow. day, RIP. Wow. Yeah. And I have my reunion signed by various, but not all. Three o'clock live at the Waldorf, Aquarius Andromeda, RIP, Burger Records, and uh, even Salvation Army Live. Wow. But my dear, today, See that that's my only that, those are the only times that Jeff and I can can compete <laughs> is uh, when it's stuff that I actually have. But Jeff, we're talking about this beauty. Yes. Yeah. Which hey, this is a whole other story for another day. But yes, I have all four members and this was signed back in the 80s. Wow. Um, including Mike Mariana, which I have many things to say about Mike Mariana later on. But one of the things I did want to mention is in the spirit of completist, 
do you have this one that was released on Vinilissimo, a Spanish label that does uh, re-releases, um, reissues, sorry, but they do it on 180 gram vinyl. Yes. So I have that still sealed, by the way. Wow. Yeah, I do have that. I'm pretty obsessed with this album. So I have a number, I think for this record, I have more copies of this album than any other album that I have. So it's kind of, it's, I have a problem with this album. Honey, we all do. So I have my original pressing on Frontier that- You even have Earl's signature? Only Earl and Lewis on the original. Oh my word. Yeah. I love it. And then I have the two versions that came on Lolita that have, um, there's a variant on the picture. Two shots. Yeah, so there's two pictures on Lolita. Um, two Japanese pressings, because one's a white label promo, and then my. And then the one that you just mentioned, and then Frontier had a colored version. Yeah, I think. Bought. Oh, the, the one on blue vinyl? Yes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then of oh. course the my little CD copy, the, the Frontier version, and then I had my original cassette version. So I, uh, oh yes, look at that white version. Yeah, I that's the one I have. And then two cassette versions. Um, you were speaking about uh, earlier, and this is the burger in the original Frontier. So I have. Uh, you know what? I I bow. I bow down. It's a. I got a problem. But there is one thing Jeff and I do not have. Yes. And I think the only people who can help us, perhaps, are the band members themselves to help us locate it. And it's an, so in doing research for this, Jeff and I discovered, or Jeff, Jeff probably knew, but I didn't. There's a cassette only release on IRS from 1984 and it's called the three o'clock demos, 92584. Mm -hmm. Now, I wonder, putting it out there, I wonder if the one and only Danny Benair may have a copy or could point us in the direction of someone who would be willing to sell us said copy. Mm -hmm. And if you all listeners have it, let us know. Please. Because we want to know who you who we need to hit up. Who's the supplier? Yeah, indeed, indeed. Because uh, that's one thing at least Jeff needs for sure. I would like it, but Jeff is truly the completest. I am merely learning. There's a space uh, in my uh, cassette, my cassette storage over here. There's one space just empty, just waiting for that demo. To I will build a cabinet for it. <laughs> okay, but anyways. All right. We do, indeed. So, 16 Tambourines released October 1983, uh, produced by the one and only Earl Mankey, as you mentioned earlier, uh, released on Frontier Records. We talked to Lisa Fancher about releasing this, and so she was involved since the Savage, I'm sorry, since the um, Salvation Army days. Um, their first full-length album, right? After Bro yes. Down, the EP comes right. the first full-length, 16 Tambourines, um, released on multiple different <laughs> copies, as we've seen, and mm -hmm. multiple different uh, formats. Um, this album is known to be one of the classic Paisley Underground albums, yes. for sure. 
um, with its very Baroque sounding <laughs> music and a original lineup. So we have Danny Benair on drums, Michael Coresio bass and vocals, Louis Gutierrez on guitar, and Mickey Mariano on keyboards. Mike Mariano. Okay, so Jeff and I have added him to our list of unicorns, right? Mm -hmm. Mike Mariano, Susanna Hopps, and we've got a few others. Kendra Smith. Oh, Carl Percota. Carl Percota. I mean, it's a list that will probably continue to grow. But Earl one Mankey. of the honestly, Earl, Earl Mankey, right? Earl Mankey as well. Absolutely. Yes. Um, but one of the things that I think is interesting is no matter how far away you get from this album in terms of years, you can't, you know, it's it's always so refreshing to play it. Sound is still really vibrant and fun. And man. We want to talk to Mike Mariano because Mike Mariano's imprint is on this album and he adds so much, uh, uh, so much dimension to a lot of the songs. So it's just, it's, a, it's great to listen to it, but um, Mike Mariano, if you're listening or if your sister is listening and can pass a message, Jeff and I would love to talk to Mike Mariano about uh, the music he's made because it, it's it's fun music it's good music yeah absolutely yeah this album is super important to me um i would i would venture to say that the most important album of the, of the paisley underground to me is this 16 tambourines um I, I don't know if it's necessarily my favorite but it's definitely the most important to me just because of where i was when i bought it and that point mm -hmm. in my life um i think i know every single word on this album i could probably um quote everything from the lyrics and from from the the credits on this i've just devoured this album so i'm glad that we're spending a little bit of time today yeah focusing just on it and um we had reached out to the one and only michael Quercio to find out where the title from this came I don't know if that's ever come up on any discussions that we've had. We've had Michael on the show a couple of times, nor did it come up when we spoke with Danny, who was on our show a few times. But Michael was kind enough to respond just as we were hitting the record button today. So we just received this a couple of minutes ago. And Soraya, if you don't mind, would you share what Michael's response was to our sure. question? Where did the title from 16 Tambourines come from? Yeah. And again, we want to thank Michael Corsio for reaching out to us and letting us know this background for 16 Tambourines. So here goes, and I'm quoting directly, okay? Literally from him. Earl Mankey, the producer, was working with clearing tracks on the 16-track recorder for backing vocals on the song On My Own. He wanted to multi-track the ooh-la-las that come at the end of the song. I was sitting with him in the control room when he casually said that the sound of them was going to shimmer like 16 tambourines, right? Then was, I said out loud for everyone to hear, that's what we're going to name the album. Nice. There you go. Bravo. 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 And thank you, Michael Corsio. And thank you, Earl Mankey. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's fantastic. I love that. I think there was a contest for the Three O'Clock's paint box around the time that this album came out. And I forgot what you could win. 
I want to say it was some kind of three o'clock record, um, but the I believe that the contest was they were asking for people to interpret song lyrics. And if you could write in and say what you thought a song was about or what any title was. And I think I submitted an entry and I think I was guessing that the title had something to do with the number of of little tambourine chimes that was on a tambourine. And I had one at my house and I counted them and there were 16 on the one that I had. So that's what I said. I said, somebody was sitting around counting the, the, the little the little symbol chimes or whatever you call them on the tambourine and um, came up with 16 of them. And um, I said they were probably in an, some kind of altered state when they were counting it and said, all right, 16 tambourines. So, uh, tambourines being predominant in some of the music so that that was my guess and I didn't win by the way so close. Yeah, I was close all right so I say we jump into some music here yeah okay so and then one of the things we also have to say is you and I have talked about quite a few of the tracks on this album um but I think I'm I'm going to assume if anyone thinks they know what you and I are going to pick, I think they might be surprised today. I think so. I think yeah. you're right. I think All so. right. So uh, in a big old shocker, none of us picked the, the, the number one track on side A. The, the single. So, um, which is an amazing song in, in its own right, but Jeff and I focused on other songs. So yeah. I think, Jeff, we should start with you. All right. What's your oh, first pick? So my first pick, yeah. And I thought about Jet Fighter, of course, being the leadoff track and picking that one. And the one song from this album that Michael Mariano, Mickey Mariano, uh, added input to, I think he actually came up with the starting lick that started it from what Danny told us. Um, everybody knows Jet Fighter. So I decided to um, skip that one and go to track two, Stupid Einstein is my first pick. So the guitars on this are amazing. And I should mention that um, besides a cover version on this album, that all of the songs were written by um, Michael Coricio and Luis Gutierrez um, with help from Mickey Mariano on Jet Fighter. Stupid Einstein, this 12-string um, guitar, it, the, the part is just amazing. And it just pulls me in. And it's so melodic and so catchy. Um, I've tried learning it a few times. I think I've come pretty close to figuring out how it is and uh, just watching Lewis play it. And I just, the guitar is amazing and Michael sounds fantastic on it. Um, it's just a fantastic track and I could probably listen to the song over and over and over forever, um, which I have. Um, it's amazing when they've done it live, um, even on the reunion um, shows they play this one live and hearing Lewis pull, and seeing him pull out this 12 string guitar, which he usually has to borrow. I don't think he owns a 12 string Rickenbacker at this point, but it's, it's just so catchy. Um, and it's probably one of my all time favorite top 50 songs from any band ever. Um, it's just a fantastic track. So my first pick is stupid Einstein. So let's give it a play. Stupid 
How great is that? Such a tight song. Start to finish. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the song is about, but I remember from that aforementioned contest uh, that they had some, they, I think they printed some of, they must have, they printed some of the submissions and somebody said that feel and go through you, that A and and represented acid. So feel the acid going through you. And it was a, and I think they might've mentioned that that wasn't correct, but it was that they were, that they were going to share that anyways, because they thought it was interesting. <laughs> so I, don't, I don't know what the song is about, but it's just so catchy. Um, I love the little bridge part in there that dun, 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 There's just so many good parts of the song. Just so catchy, so fun. One of the things that I think I'm reminded of every time I this album comes up for me and it's played is the beautiful harmonies in terms of vocals. And um, on my pick, it also comes up and it comes up in peculiar ways. So, um, so on side one, we start out Jet Fighter, then Jeff's pick, Stupid Einstein, then track three, and so we run. And then we come upon my pick, my first pick, which is Fall to the Ground. Now, Fall to the Ground is a song that for me, you know, I... I always kind of go back and forth in terms of, oh, which is my favorite this month or, you know, but I keep coming back to this song because this song is, it's haunting and beautiful. And the way it starts out and the way it ends to me um, kind of mirror what's happening in the song. So um, we start out with this very innocent, piano and at the end we're left with some very innocent sounding but very haunting whispered vocals Mm. and a very lonely bass line and i i love a lot of things about this song but let's play it fall to the ground track four
chill. (laughs) It's, look, this is me just way overthinking it. But to me, it's like every time I hear those drums, it's like a heartbeat, right? Like a racing heartbeat. And it's that line, you know, the bridge will, the bridge will end it all. And it's like, okay, it's very innocent. Things look okay, but they're not. And then you hear that guitar strum, like boom, boom, boom. The drums, chun, chun, chun. and it's like this crescendo. Then you get to the end. It's like a movie. Then you get to the end and it's just this very whispered, you know, like, the lights go down, see her fall to the ground. And then, boom, 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 boom. And it's almost like I could picture a movie and like that last part is her taking the step off the bridge and like ding, 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 ding. Like it's it's very cinematic to me this this song, but it's good, good good good. It's a great song. Woo! And, the, and it's that one, that one harmony is like falling down after that first verse. Yeah, it's got to be Mickey Mariano singing. <laughs> Mickey Mariano, man. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, and. The, the song ends on it sounds like a guitar harmonic where it's like and which is funny because when you think of her falling and landing right it just ends on a very soft sound right i don't every time i hear it i'm reminded of the bridge jump from the monkey's movie head oh yeah yep into the water yeah i don't it just it just reminds me of that yeah, but, that's a good. That's a good visual. That bass line is so so chilling at the end. Dum, 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 dum. Like, yeah. like a heartbeat almost. Woo! Yeah. And then um, I will say that I hear an influence of Left Bank. Okay. This, and I know that Michael has mentioned that before, and I had always, I always heard like a '60s kind of vibe, of course, with. Um, the three o'clocks earlier stuff and I was often wondering like what what bands were super influential for them and we know like the easy beats we hear you know they did the cover BGs you know they did a cover here on 16 tambourines but the first time that Michael had mentioned left bank it was like ding yeah there it is like that's that you can hear their sound that very baroque sounding right sound in a I definitely hear that in absolutely particular track. So great pick. Love it. Ooh, good pick, Jeff. All right, Jeff. All right. So Andy. You're doing something unusual. Two songs from the same side. Two songs from the same side. Okay. So what's your second pick? All right. So it's the last song on side one and it's a day in erotica. So the title cracks me up. Um, there's an early version on the hidden world. And at the Aquarius Andromeda um, compilations of this track, which are very interesting, because this this to me is the most psychedelic song yeah. on this album. When you when there's all these layers of vocals going on and all this craziness, and you hear these sounds like I picture like a diner and just hearing these 
um, extraneous sounds going on, like somebody walking through some kind of a store or restaurant and you hear clanging of plates and whatnot and all these overlapped voices. And it's, it's, it's just a trip. <laughs> so I remember the first time hearing this song and thinking this is way, way out, you know? So mm. they've got these um, nice melodies going with songs like Tomorrow and uh, Follow the Ground. And then you got this very bizarre thing that's kind of in the middle of the album. Um, it seems like it would be maybe like a last track on an album, maybe like Revelation 9, but you know, towards the end, like the Beatles did before Goodnight, something like that. But nope, here it is placed right in the middle of the album, end of side one. And I just picked it because it's the, the trippiest sounding thing and um, most psychedelic. And uh, the scene is known for having a little bit of psychedelia and 60s in it, <laughs> you know, so a day in erotica definitely fills that that sound and and um while still being psychedelic some psychedelic songs are so way out that they're hard to grasp sometimes for me because it's they're so trippy but this one is is has that vibe that where it's out there but still it's catchy and they've got those uh melodies that only michael quercio can just sync sink into me so um day in erotica i'm not sure what it's about again but um i just like the trippiness of it and the places it goes and try to follow some of these vocals that are overlapping it's kind of hard because there's so many different things going on but let's give it a listen a day in erotica
production on that earl Mankey just did a great job this and stupid einstein i love how the acoustic and the electric guitars sound it just, it just sounds so good and that before it gets into that really trippy part in the break where it's at that sound like i'm on a, on a merry-go-round right um, that's where you're waiting for Anne to go right through you literally <laughs> exactly, exactly. And it's like dun, 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 and then it's noise and then it's every and then it's like that's a freak out that's a yeah. auditory freak out yeah it is it is but great track and then jeff you and i happened to be at a show where they played it live yes and it was Supposedly the first time it had been played live because it was difficult to replicate. And uh, the great Adam Marin at the time was was uh, playing with the band and we saw them, we saw three o'clock open for the Brian Jonestown massacre here in Los Angeles. That's right. A couple of years ago, was it 2015, 2014, 2015? Yeah, I think 2015 sounds about right. Um, and I remember the buildup was we're gonna play something live that hasn't been played live. And we were all kind of wondering what it was. And when they played it, I think our we were with a group of friends that we've been going to see the shows by three o'clock. And I think collectively our jaws were just dropped. Yeah. And 
it was really well done though yeah like, yeah I, I i thought it was well well done and just by listening to that song on the album i mean the production quality obviously never going to match earl in the studio but it was good and it's just i don't know it's just something out of a dream you know this song is like is dreamlike yeah definitely definitely yeah and they for a song that is put together so much in the studio i mean that's a studio song right with all that stuff that's going on they they did a good job of pulling it off yeah for being such a studio track kudos to the band and kudos to adam Marin. yeah oh absolutely yeah they they couldn't have pulled it off without adam oh no or somebody of his caliper yeah it's there's just a lot going on okay so so a day in erotica ends side one so side two Jeff leaves me all by myself. You get the whole side. side. That's okay. I get the whole side. So side two include it starts with tomorrow, then in my own time, which is a cover of a, a early of a '60s era BG song, and beautifully done. Yes. On my own, when lightning starts and seeing is believing, and my second pick is track four. Ah. When lightning starts. I've talked about this song before. I've talked about how much I like this song. Oh, um, and there's a number of reasons why. Okay. But one of the things about When Lightning Starts is it's such an unusual song for the rest of the album. It's like a complete departure because you've got horns, you've got, you've got organ, you've got drums, you've got it all, and you've got these really light vocals and these cool harmonies this is a fantastic song and if you sleep on this song you shouldn't <laughs> so let's listen to it and we'll talk about it some more when lightning starts
song. Yeah. Love the song. Okay, first of all, I can only read from the credits, right? So trumpet, Gary Boney, trombone, Barry Adam Saperstein, saxophone, Michael Barbera, and then a few others, uh, although, but I, I just wanna deal with, and we'll also mention that Will Glenn also makes an appearance on this album, who yeah, we've talked yeah. about before. Yeah. All right. One of the cool things I like about this song, so it starts out right with that. So these cool drums, you hear this trumpet, then the bass, and then boom, Mike Mariano, bringing this song like just gut punch. Cool bridge, great harmonies, and it's, just and then you hear that fun guitar just all throughout. Then at the end, you get horns, but this time it's that sax is standing out. It's just like loud sax, drums, bass. Then you get that final cool bass line. Yeah. And then da da, bum bum. Ha. Yeah. It's just a different sound because when you think of Jet Fighter, you you hear more rock. It, you know, uh, in my own time, it's this cool '60s, very organ heavy sound. Then you know, and so we run. You get Stupid Einstein tomorrow. You get different sounds, but this one to me, because of the horns, it's just like it's a completely different track, and I I love it. Yeah. Can't can't say enough about. It. Yeah, it's a great pick, and it's got that a dance vibe to it. Almost there's um, with those horns, you've got almost some like Motown influence. See, you know, and that's the thing is it it makes you think about the '60s. It makes you think about a dance track, and um, that trumpet. Like just now listening to it again, I'm all, why does that trumpet remind me of Herb Alpert? <laughs> Oh. You know, like early Diwana Brass, and it's like that trumpet line being used in a dance song. Who knew? Yeah. You know, it just hit me, Soraya, and this could be a stretch, and I could be way off on this, but I know that Michael is a huge fan of the Supremes and Diana Ross. Oh, yes. I. It just hit me that this has a feel of some of those early Supremes songs. Wouldn't, I'll tell you this much. It won't surprise me if we ask Michael, hey, is, did this song have any, you know, foot in Supremes and him going, oh yeah, I wouldn't be surprised, but watch, you know, we'll ask him to go, oh no, <laughs> it's something totally different. Yeah, yeah. No, it wasn't that at all. It was all Black Sabbath. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, it was all early cream. That's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, possible yeah i never put anything past michael Corsi. yeah never true, true. yeah i'm not gonna he's a man of that. many tastes and so you know but this is just a cool different song i like yeah. it i will say that um i saw the band on this tour when they were doing 16 tambourines and they had those guys that horn section um i think it was the first time that i'd seen the three o'clock play it was at this place down in san diego and they had the three guys behind them and it just sounded fantastic. They did the song, of course. And it sounded amazing with those guys blowing away 
into their reads and a great live track too. Jeff, every time I've heard this song live, no, it doesn't matter where I am. I will sing that in the, the second time he goes around with the chorus towards the end and it goes, and he goes, woo! I'll do that out loud. That's how ingrained this song is in me. And I'll never forget I was at the uh, the very the warm-up show for the three o'clock um, Orange County in 2013 when they played in Pomona. Constellation Room. At the Yeah, I think they called it the Constellation Room. The, but that that was that room of I don't know what they called that place. Oh my gosh. No, the glass house. It was at the glass oh, house. Okay, okay, I'm off. At yeah. the glass house. Okay. And uh you know, I hadn't met you yet. I, I didn't know any of my other three o'clock concert friends yet. So I was by myself. <laughs> I was standing in the crowd. I think you and I were standing in a similar, in a basic area, similar. Like I was close by. I, now I look at the picture, I see you. <laughs> like, it got to that part and I'm the only one. I go, whoa! <laughs> People turned around like, what? And I go, I guess I'm all alone on this one, just for me. I love <laughs> but I've done it every single time. <laughs> How can you not? Yeah, I mean, it's part of the song for you. Oh my gosh. And, and I'm sure people go, that's not even in the song, but <laughs> it is. Duly it noted, is. it's in the, the freaking song. So. Yeah. And the parts, the background vocals, especially towards the end where they're going, woo, woo, woo. <laughs> so, so good. Yeah, I, you know, and I, I think um, that's one of the things that's really charming about this three o'clock is you hear these harmonies and you hear that influence on this album, you hear this 60s influence because then you move on to Arrive Without Traveling and we get a different flavor. We get a different band, Yep. you know, um, because the influences are different or, you know, they went in a different direction, but yeah. How did we okay. never talk about 16 Tambourines by itself? Yeah, good question. I mean, we've we've talked about the album, of course, in, in different conversations, but not a whole episode devoted strictly to that. Yeah. So well, we're make, we're correcting that wrong and making it right. Yes, we are correcting ourselves. And um, I, I didn't look at track length, but I don't, I don't, I think perhaps a day in erotica is maybe. Yep. Over the three minute mark? Yeah. Yep. So that one and seeing is believing in the four and a half minute range. So, you know what? Just enjoy it. Enjoy yeah. It Don't worry about the length. That's what we say at least. Yeah. So great album, classic Paisley Underground, essential Paisley Underground album. Um, and I did want to mention a couple things before we sign off. Um, Coming up next, I think we're going to be talking to Van Christian of Naked Prey. We might be having our buddy Ronnie back on. Um, we're, we're in talks about getting that. That uh, We're talking with Ronnie's people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're talking with Ronnie's people. So I think we, uh, he's not only does he have like a music representation, but I think he's got some uh, film representation now that he's becoming more Hollywood. So it's he getting can. harder and harder to get to Ronnie. Let's just say that. He fancy now. He, he fancy. He fancy indeed. And I did want to, um, I think we can almost have a news section of the Paisley Underground because there's a little bit of news I think we can talk about in Paisley Underground. 
Um, so it's come to our knowledge that there's a documentary about the Dream Syndicate that's coming up. Yeah. Um, Emil Spolder from Netherlands um, made a post and on YouTube, you can find a trailer for an upcoming documentary about the Dream Syndicate called Beyond the Days of the Dream Syndicate. And Soraya, this looks fantastic. I'm super excited about yeah, that. Yeah, I saw the trailer. It looks good. I mean, he's he's done his, his work and was able to talk to quite a bit of people. Yeah. Which is yeah. really cool. Yeah, there's a few people in there. Um, members of the band, Chris Robinson from Black Crows. Black Crows. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've read Ryan Adams, too. Yes. Yeah, some pretty big name folks in there. Um, so that's pretty exciting. And another little bit of news. Um, we've had guests in town and uh, my wife's first cousin in town and um, we decided while they were here they wanted to go to Catalina Island so we went down to San Pedro mm -hmm. and jumped on a boat went over to Catalina for the day and Did I just live on a golf course <laughs> I actually we did pass a golf course which is interesting because we you and I are very fascinated about the Paisley Underground Catalina Island trip right yes so um, I was happy. I wasn't happy that we had to uh, sail out of San Pedro because that's the farthest from our house. But the other two locations were sold out. So we couldn't go out of Long Beach or Dana Point. So we had to go down to San, out of San Pedro. But my thought is when we went out of there, I'm going to reenact this whole Paisley Underground trip to the best of my knowledge, which is very limited. So, so we got there. And uh, on my birthday, a couple days later, we were on our road trip um, around the American Southwest, and you tagged me on a post of Michael Quercio's. Yes. Had, had a photo of the band, or I'm sorry, of members of the Paisley Underground um, on their Catalina Island trip, which we've been very fascinated about. Um, and I've come to learn that our buddy, Eric Shade, um, who is writing a book about the Bengals. And I'm not going to say too much because um, it's not my story to tell. It's his. Right. But um, in his research for his upcoming Bengals book, he was able to locate this photo. Yeah. Um, and it, it got out a little bit more than he had hoped for, right? Because it was an exclusive that he had for his book. This book is going to be fantastic. So oh, it's yeah. going to include a lot of information about um, other uh members of the Paisley Underground, but it's primarily about the bang. It's a book about the Bengals. Right. But this photo came out of his research. So this Isn't is that amazing. Yeah. And nobody's seen this photo. And um, again, without sharing too much, he was able to find this particular photo from somebody mentioned in a three o'clock song. And again, it's his story to tell. So I'm going to. Yeah. I mean, um, he, well, Eric wrote about it rather public ish yeah because he posted in a in a bangles uh group yes and so he mentioned the story but um maybe one day we should have eric on so he can tell the story yeah and share absolutely. it but you know that photo jeff yes. tells me there's one photo there are probably 10 but it's stuck somewhere in a box that people you know people don't know about but I cannot, uh, when Michael Corsio shared it, I was so happy to see it because it confirmed that this trip happened yeah. and that it wasn't just committed solely to memory, but it was, there was a photo. Yeah. 
This is the picture that Michael Corsio shared and that Eric Shade later, later mentioned uh, was something he turned up as part of his research for his upcoming book. Yeah, excellent. And, thank, uh, thank you, Eric, for this. I love all the photos, all the people in that photo. There yeah. are a couple of people I can't identify the two, the two women up the, up the to the right. Yes. Right or yeah. left of Michael Corsia. But right. anyways, it's a good thing. So Jeff, you know what that leaves me thinking? What's that? Is that then there are pictures of the green on red barbecues. Right? Somebody Someone's got to have one. Yeah. And I'm thinking it's Mr. Sid Griffin, who is over in the UK. He may have a photo of this barbecue, these barbecues, because it was, again, under his roof, right? Yeah. It was those green on red barbecues happened in the place where Sid, Vicki Peterson, and Dan Stewart lived together. Was it Vicki or Debbie? I think it was Vicki. Yeah. So... So if you attended one of these green on red barbecues and have a photo, Go we would love box. to see it merely to confirm that it happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. people have told us about them, but cannot tell us too much about them. Right. Right. But, you know, but this is a great thing. And then um, I know when Michael shared it, other, other members of the Paisley Underground, I think we're also just as surprised and happy to see oh it. yeah absolutely and if anything the what it proves or what it shows is that jeff you and i sitting in a time capsule during you know in this small moment in the la music scene uh there are others that will gladly sit with us and reminisce and look at look at photos and listen to music from that era absolutely so, but also, I think we also need to mention, since it is our news segment and we have mentioned it before, more photos have come out from a recording session of the Dream Syndicates. Yes. And so I'm really looking forward to it. And we saw a Mr. Stephen McCarthy show up to, yeah. that, to that studio. So one can only hope and wish and think and hope and pray that uh, he appears on that album as well and, and lends and contributes something like he did on the previous one. So. Yeah, absolutely. We'll, yeah. we'll just have to wait and see. Pleasant surprise. Ah, oh, Jeff, this was good. Yeah. Good way to start the day. Yeah, 16 tambourines. Somewhere in my boxes that I brought over from my parents' house and are now sitting in my garage is that cassette. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which I have the cassette, I have the LP, and somewhere down the road when this thing called a CD came out, I'm sure I got a CD. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. But anyways, oh, mi gente, I got to be at. Groove on, basically, people. Take the old, learn in our ears, 
Cause what they say is what we never seems